It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team yes that that i agree with a hundred percent like that's what my biggest concern was when Degrom didn't come back i'm like what the hell are they doing are we just just trying to replace him now what what's the big deal here what's the big picture what the big picture is is they are spending on everybody however they're also trying to rebuild the farm system. If you notice, like, yeah, we're talking about Liam Hendricks right now. Like, that's a possibility. Vientos has been rumored possibly as somebody to be traded. But, like, Mauricio, Beatty, Alvarez, still there. Like, that's a big deal that they're still in this organization because now you have, like, Escobar, maybe, again, I talked about Escobar, kind of maybe leaving next year. But even if they're still around next year, you still can, like, build and kind of ease them into these spots. And then in three years, when you're overpaying Alonzo, overpaying McNeil, overpaying Lindor and 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 um, Correa, Alvarez is nothing. Beatty's nothing. If Mauricio's playing, he's nothing. You know what I mean? Like, you actually have talented players who will make nothing again. Well, th- this was part of the rebuild strategy. Keep prospects, don't trade them away, and spend a lot of money to win now, but not give up your top prospects and kind of buy yourself time in developing these young players. Part of what they're doing with the rotation right now is, hey, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, sure they're old, sure they'll be here for two years. Hopefully, in two years, we're either reinvesting the money in other starting pitchers or finally developing middle or frontline starting pitchers. So it's it's a strategy of let's spend big to win now and let's maintain our prospects. And that's why when we looked at improving this roster during the offseason, the one thing I was passionate about was I'd rather just sign free agents. I don't want to trade young pieces away. Now, the Mets are in a position now where is Brett Beatty maybe more expendable today than he was yesterday? Sure. I'd still like to hold on to him, and we'll get into his role coming up in a bit. But if an Otani deal does become realistic come July because the Angels suck again, which is a perennial thing, you're in a better position, a more comfortable position, to trade young pieces for him 
because you have filled some of these roles with free agents and you're not even giving up the compensation to sign these free agents. Carlos Correa didn't cost you that. Justin Verlander didn't cost you that. You know, so that's certainly kind of a small positive along the way. But yeah, you're in a position now, and we'll go through some of the ideas that could come with this, where some of your prospects are a little bit more expendable because you just filled the roles with free agents. I mean, look, right now, assuming they locked up Alonzo and McNeil long-term, and even if they don't, because they're both under control for two more years, the Met infield is set. The Met infield is set. The only part of the infield that could fluctuate is moving McNeil to the outfield, excuse me, which is a great option. But Correa is set. He's your third baseman. Lindor is set. He's your shortstop. And obviously, Pete's at first base. So the McNeil ability to play left field, to play right field, is interesting, and we'll talk about it. But their infield is set now. Brett Beatty's role on this team, to me, is besides trade chip, which is obviously always out there. And I would not, and we'll get to Liam Hendricks too. I'm not trading Brett Beatty for Liam Hendricks. I'm not. Brett Beatty is too big a prospect for me to trade him. No offense to Hendricks. He's wonderful. I'd love to add him, but for a 34-year-old reliever. Like, I'm not doing that with the top third-base prospect in baseball. You want to use him as a trade chip for Shohei Otani come July, that's a different story. Okay, now, now we're having a conversation. But for a reliever, and he's a good reliever, very good reliever, and I'd be willing to be aggressive to get him, that's not who I'm trading Beatty for. I think Beatty right now, between left-handed option at DH, you could trade Vogelbach, he becomes a little bit more expendable, or left fielder, eventually replacing Mark Hanna, who's a free agent at the end of the year. Those are the roles for Beatty, and he'll get plenty of at-bats that way. He absolutely will. Along with, you never know what trade becomes available. I don't think there's anything now during the offseason because you start to see the way this team is built. Your lineup is mostly set. It's mostly set. We talked about the infield, Alonzo, McNeil, Lindor, Correa. The catching situation obviously is going to sort itself out, but you have Narvaez. You still have Alvarez and Nitto. And unless they're dumping Cano, which I doubt, your outfield is set. And Jeff McNeil could actually slide out and play a little left field if you want to play Eduardo Escobar at second or Luis Guillerme at second. I also think Escobar right now, along with Vientos and Alvarez, assuming they're not traded, becomes your right-handed DH option. Eduardo Escobar was feasting off of left-handed pitching last year. So if you want to make the DH platoon, Brett Beatty, Eduardo Escobar, with a little Vientos mixed in and Vogelbach, that ain't bad. That's, that's, that's pretty good. I don't think all of those guys I mentioned will be on the roster come opening day because I think now Vogelbach becomes expendable. Escobar, if you want to save money, becomes expendable. But I, I like the idea of holding on to Eduardo Escobar. I'm not in any rush to trade him. If money's not an object, Vogelbach's making nothing. He's making a million and a half. So the money isn't an option. But I bet you he's got some value around the league. And I could have Beatty kind of fill that role as left-handed DH. That's an option, too. Well, no, Vogelbach definitely has value because if you've noticed, it's not like he just went to, like, he got traded recently. He's been floating around the league for a few years. He doesn't take too long of a break, even if it gets DFA'd or whatever. But, like, he's been on the Brewers, the Pirates. 
I think he came from the Mariners organization originally. Now the Mets, he's been on at least four or five teams already. People clearly like something about him, and he has power. I mean, and he's, that that's that's legitimate. Um, the thing I do like about this team right now, even if you – first of all, there's 41 people on the roster, from correct. Once Correa gets on, there's 41 people on the roster. Right. So they're going to have to make at least one move. They'll sell someone else to Japan like they did Yoan Lopez. I saw that, which is great. Hey, how about Darren Ruff? We could we could, we could, could do that. <laughs> he could be um, the one. Please. Can't wait for that guy to leave. But the point is this is I love the versatility. If if Say if it's Ruff that goes, right? Everybody else on this roster right now, like I like the fact that McNeil can go play the outfield. Escobar can play second base. I love the fact that you have all these guys, and they still could legitimately get – like Alvarez and Beatty could still get 250 to 300 bats this year. Like I know that's oh, not definitely. 500, but it's a lot. You can mix and match. Kana's not Kana's not your everyday left fielder. He's just not. So you could, but he can still get 300 at bats if you float everyone around, and give people days off. Yeah, that's a huge possibility. You have flexibility. Why you, go and get rid and be like, oh, well, we have surplus. Let's get rid of him. I don't want that. No, I, I agree because you have you have the option of Jeff McNeil getting a lot of at bats in left field. And you could play Luis Guillerme at second base where your defense is just filthy. And I thought McNeil had a great year defensively at second base. So I don't want to act like, oh, going from McNeil to Luis Guillerme is this incredible jump. It's a jump because Luis is brilliant at any defensive position. But McNeil had a real good defensive year last year. You could play Escobar over there. You could play Beatty in left field. Yeah, there's a lot of internal options. I also think you've got to look at, okay, What's Vogelbach getting me in the trade market? What's Escobar getting me in the trade market? I have no interest in trading Brett Beatty right now. Mark Vientos a little bit different. I'd be open. Uh, Vientos in a trade for Liam Hendricks. Okay, fine. Like, I'm good with that. And I think Escobar, again, could become that right-handed DH. As far as Hendricks is concerned, boy, that is, that's another piece right now. Because the Mets have built a lineup that got better in adding Correa. And we just mentioned all the flexibility and the options they have. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think they've improved this bullpen. They brought back Adam Adovino, but what I love about how they brought him back is they did not bring him back in the same role he was in last year. Adam Adovino was the main eighth inning guy a year ago. He was the guy asked to save games when Edwin Diaz was used in the eighth inning. I don't think that's his role now. I think that he is going to be more of a specialist against right-handed hitters and not necessarily be asked to pitch the eighth inning every single night. You just added David Robertson. And if you go out and you add, and of course you added Brooks Raleigh, who can get lefties out. And if you can go add Liam Hendricks, who over the last four seasons, and I know it's tough with 2020 because it's not really a full season, but let's include it for the sake of it. I mean, it was at least a year that occurred. He has been an elite level relief pitcher, or real good for four consecutive years. Since the last two years in Oakland to the two years he's had in Chicago, he has been a top reliever. And there aren't a lot of guys who can be consistent year after year after year. So adding Hendricks to this bullpen, 
with David Robertson and Adam Adovino and Brooks Raleigh to get to Edwin Diaz is insane. You'd have yourself a third closer in your bullpen. And the crazy thing is what we talked about last year, how Buck used Edwin. It wasn't just about the ninth inning with him. Right. It was the eighth inning. It's the seventh inning. So if you do whatever it is, you have Edwin to come in at different part with the biggest part of the game. And then you have Liam Hendricks in the ninth if you need. There's, I think if, it's amazing. If you add Hendricks, and we'll get into what they may have to give up to get him, they got the best bullpen in baseball. I don't I don't think they're at least on paper. Obviously, a lot can happen, but you've got Raleigh and Robertson who do a great job of getting lefties out. Adam Adovino, who's an assassin getting righties out. And then two of the five best closers in baseball in Diaz and Hendricks. That's it. And you also offer yourself protection. Now, God forbid Edwin Diaz gets hurt or Edwin Diaz has an offseason. Liam Hendricks is a guy who's been the Rolaids relief man twice in his career. And he isn't showing a sign of wearing down. Now we got to figure out what's the price tag. I floated out the idea, and it's probably not enough. I admit that of McCann and Vogelbach in a trade for Hendricks. The reason I bring that up is the White Sox could use a catcher. Not that James McCann's any good, but the money sort of offsets a little bit. Could Hendricks is due to make, I think, about $15.5 million this year, and then his option becomes guaranteed next year. So you're locked in for two years with Liam Hendricks, and the White Sox offensively really struggled against right-handed pitching. That was one of their big issues. And you've got a chance by getting a guy like Vogelbach to kind of add a little pop to a very heavy right-handed lineup. You know, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, a lot of right-handed hitters. So does there need to be a third player in it, maybe a prospect, whether it's Mark Vientos or someone else? Okay, maybe. I'm not going Beatty. I'm not going that far. But I do think you've got the framework of something. If you're talking about Vogelbach and you're talking about McCann and then a prospect for Liam Hendricks. And that's the kind of trade that if Billy Epler can pull off, you are now talking about the best bullpen in this sport and you want to top it off and make it even better, sign either Andrew Chafin or Zach Britton. And now you've really put together a top-notch bullpen. You know, you add Zach Britton, and I actually, I'm very high on Britton, another kind of few months removed from Tommy John. I don't think he's done. I'm not dunning Zach Britton as much as he may have looked not quite the same guy after coming back. You put him in a bullpen with no pressure where you're like the fifth guy. Buck Showalter knows Zach Britton very well. We we all remember him not going to him in a postseason game. You're adding another guy with closing experience. Chafin is probably the safer option right now, but my God, it's, it's right there in front of you to make this bullpen from good. And I think better, I think this bullpen has a real chance to be better than it was a year ago. The caveat being Diaz, can he match or even come close to doing what he did last year, which I agree is a major caveat. But you have a chance to get it even better with a guy like Liam Hendricks out there. And I don't think the price tag is going to be that crazy to acquire him. No, and they're already in talks. Like I feel like that that's something that's and again, you never you never really hear about the the Mets rumors these days. That's that's the thing that always scares me. So like it's like all oh, the Mets and the the White Sox are, are in talks. That means maybe it's probably not happening. 
Um, because <laughs> it's, I mean, just Correa just pops up out of nowhere at three thirty in the morning. John Heyman, thank you. That's how the deals get done these days with the Mets, and I like that. But again, Chafin is somebody that I think I've been loving that guy for a couple of years now. Like he makes so much sense for his team. And again, if you're talking about even if it's a one year deal again. Do it. Like, there's no nothing wrong with that at all. The other guy I do like, and I know he's not, he's he's more of like, um, uh, you know, like a, a, a an innings eater in the bullpen would be Michael Fulmer. I know he's not as good against left-handers, but he's somebody that I think has potential. I'd love to see that reunion, but again, we talked about reunions never work out, so maybe that's not the way to go. But I do like him as a long man in the, in the, in the bullpen. Fulmer, I, you know, I'll, I'll say it doesn't count as a reunion because he actually never pitched in the major leagues with the Mets. He was just a prospect. That's all he was. So it's a little bit different. Uh, yeah, I don't think that qualifies in oh, the good. whole reunion category. Then get him. Uh, <laughs> right. It, it is crazy, though. You're, you're right. You kind of sit back now and say anything's possible. You know, you don't need to hear a rumor about the Mets being involved in a trade or a free agent, you can fantasize about anything, and it could very well happen. And one thing Cohen said a year ago about this tax is I'm not going to slightly go over it. If I go over it, I'm going to go over it all the way. He already has, obviously. He has assaulted the senses of all these cheap billionaires around Major League Baseball who have the money to spend but choose not to. So you kind of say, well, Money's not an option. I mean, he's already shown that it's not a big freaking deal. So he can go further. And for any Met fan who's wondered, hey, does this preclude them from going after Shohei Otani next season? The answer emphatically is no. <laughs> like, why Why would you think that this would make him say, nah, I can't sign Shohei Otani? He doesn't care. <laughs> and I don't think he cares what other owners think. And you're going to hear a lot of hand-wringing now over the next few days and weeks about, oh, can you believe this Steve Cohen, this bastard? They wouldn't have approved him if they knew he was going to do this. Cry me a river. These are other billionaire owners who are choosing not to spend. Well, that okay, so two things. We, first of all, talked about this, I think, last podcast. We're like, oh, the... We joked a few times before the offseason really started. We're like, you're talking about like signing this guy, that guy. You're talking about $350 million payroll. I'm like, yeah, that's what it should be. Inflation's a thing. Think about the Yankees, right? We talk about their payroll from like 2005. I think it was $200 million, right? I think last year's was somewhere, what, $200-something million. It wasn't above 250 if I'm correct. They've been around the same $200 million payroll for almost two decades. Uh, hello, it, there's no salary cap, but yet you're trying to keep the, the payroll the same. Something's wrong there. It should be upwards of where – I mean, it's absurd that we're getting close to $400 million. It, the, the jump happened very quickly. But it should have always been around $300 million in baseball. It's not. You know what's funny? It's not that absurd. Like, I don't think the numbers should be that high. I think what we've seen over the last decade, and I know this is more of a baseball issue than it is a Met or Yankee issue, is that owners haven't spent in correlation with the profits they've been bringing in, with the TV money they're bringing in. So I think we should see more teams with huge payrolls. I hope that more owners say, maybe I should spend. I've got the money. I see Steve Cohen doing it. I should do it too. 